Let's pray together. Dear Lord, the earth is filled with your glory. From the grandeur of creation that we see, to the beauty of family that we feel, uh, to the faith that we have that you are here. And I want to pray today for those that may not have that faith, uh, that they would see it, glimpse it, hear it, feel it uh, today, now, through others in this congregation, and that by your Spirit you would grow all of our faith, that that we would know regardless uh, of what happens to us in life, in you, when we are in you, there are no accidents in our lives. The people we meet, the time you give us, the things we do, it's for you and your glory. Instill in our hearts a desire to glorify you with our work, in our relationships, uh, in our studies, going back to school, uh, at parties we go to, wherever it is that you lead us, and you do lead us, may our lives glorify you. We can do that, and we should do this because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Y'all can have a seat. If you would, uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 will be in that chapter today. We are, uh, well, before I get into that, let me just say a word for y'all. That word is family. If you want to know who your family is, when I say that word, it's the who that comes to mind. Uh, It may be your natural, physical family. It may not be. Uh, It may be friends and relationships that are near and dear to you. But when I say family, I also want to ask a question in who who that is for you. Who is your family? So we're starting a series uh, this month for August, and we're calling it Raise Your Gaze. Very simple, Raise Your Gaze, because what the Lord wants to do in our lives is to raise our sights, uh, to see our lives anew, to see the world anew, to see his glory in it, to see that our lives have a purpose and have meaning. And what we are called to do as Christians is to raise each other's gaze. I mean, if you get down to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, to go and make disciples, if you get down to Acts 1-8, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses We're called, if we're Christians, to raise one another's gaze to say, no, God has a plan for your life. God is working His plan right now in your life. God has a purpose for your life. There are no accidents in Christianity. And when you start doing this, you do raise your gaze to see your life and your world, maybe your church, maybe your school, maybe your community, anew, in a new way. I know I pray, Lord, raise my gaze daily, over and over again. And we want to raise your gaze. Now, this is tied to uh, our mission of raising leaders and the idea of raise that many of you all have heard. If you haven't, uh, we'll break this down briefly each Sunday this month. Raise, each letter, is an idea that we want to be as a church. And so we've been talking about all year, in and out, rise with God, R. And today, it's kind of all about family. And A is affirm the family. This series is also tied to the verse this church was founded on, John 10, 16. 
Several of you know it. I hope you do. Others of you, if you stay here long enough, you will hear it more and more. John 10, 16. It's our call as Christians, I believe, because Jesus said, there are others. I must go to them. They'll hear my voice. There'll be one flock and one shepherd. I love, and it's Jesus, so he said a lot of good stuff, but I love it. There are others. That Jesus, Jesus was always pushing forward, and he was always pushing people forward. That there were others that didn't know him. There were others that did not feel life or meaning or adventure or call. And he would always go to others and he would always push the disciples, the church, us today. He pushes us out. And we see this in Acts 2. Acts 2, I'm going to read verse 1 through 13. I'm going to read it straight through first and then we're actually going to break down pretty much verse by verse. Because I believe in this passage, you see the family of Jesus become the family of Jesus. So let me say that again. The family of Jesus here really becomes the family of Jesus. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others said, they are filled with new wine. All right, that passage, this passage says a lot of things, and it's not just um, uh, people or nations that it's hard to pronounce. But uh, I'm glad I got through it. But what it say, I really think it says, if you go deep, is it says, here is how the family of Jesus becomes the family of Jesus. You're like, what do you mean by that? What I'm saying is, the family of Jesus, like people that knew Jesus and that Jesus knew were together, but something happens that empowers them and expands their their territory and their capacity and they change into truly being the family of Jesus. And that is my prayer, honestly, uh, for this church and for every church in the world that the Holy Spirit would push us from being the family of Jesus gathered to becoming the family of Jesus lived out in power for the world. Because there is a difference. There is a difference. Okay, so how does that happen, you might say? Well, you saw glimpses of it in Honduras, and some of you know of it here or elsewhere. Something supernatural has to happen first. Real deal, honest to God truth, 
something supernatural. The Holy Spirit coming in, indwelling, inhabiting a place, a people. And that changes hearts uh, and minds and eyes and changes gazes where they see a mission and they see a purpose and they see a world and they see God's glory in that world. They also see people in need. They see others. But something supernatural has to happen. Basically, the penny has to drop. And you kind of say, it's not that I don't want to play church anymore. I can't. Something like you change. You change. And I can't do that. A worship team can't do that. And leaders here can't do that. But thanks be to God, he can. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So, let's just go verse by verse quickly here. And apply this for us today. Right now, right here. It says, Acts 2, verse 1, and I'm going to just hit on some key words, if you will follow me in this passage. All together, all together. We're here now, all together. There's something about being together, something about coming together, Sunday worship, something about coming together. That's why we're doing our Wednesday night prayer time, coming together. The church is God's plan A. There's no plan B. It was designed to come together, to see children Families singing, coming together. But then, it's, it's not just a meeting. It's not just a gathering. Verse 2, suddenly there came from heaven a sound rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. So, the all are sitting. And when they were sitting, something filled the place. Let me, let me just say this. Something fills this place every time we gather. And it's, it's not just us and bodies and chairs. It is the Holy Spirit. Somebody said to me, and, you know, well, actually, several folks say, you know, after a service, people will say on one service, man, just really felt the Holy Spirit then in that service. And then, you know, an, another service, somebody else, somebody different will say, man, I really felt the Holy Spirit then, that, that service. And, and I, I just want to kind of remind y'all or, or proclaim this. Holy Spirit's always here. I mean, regardless of, of kids singing or adults or styles or me or somebody else. I mean, God's Word is here. Believers are here. We're gathered. Two or more pray. Holy Spirit is here. And what we want is that we pray, Lord, Lord, block our, our hearts and our minds that what you have to say would penetrate, would, would speak to hearts. I mean, honestly, that's what preaching's all about. I mean, it's like to get to, to get to the heart, get to the root. And the Holy Spirit will do that. He's here every, every time we gather. Look at this, verse 3. It says, tongues of fire came on each one. I want to highlight this. The Bible says each one. It was not like a, a big deal, the Holy Spirit coming in, and, you know, it's over them all corporately. Each one. So for each of you... You are gifted, each of you. You're first created in the image of God. You need to know that, you need to hear that as an encouraging word. You probably, many of you may not hear it enough. You're made in the image of God, and if you're in Christ, you, are, you have a new birth. You're reborn, as Jesus told Nicodemus, John 3. And so there's this new birth now where your gifts that God gave you, even before you were baptized or saved, 
are going to be used exponentially for Christ. So you need to see this. The, the Spirit rested on each person. They came together, but I believe the Spirit can, the Spirit can work in each of your life and that you're all gifted by the Spirit. You need to know that, each of you. It says they were all filled and began to speak. If you're in Christ, if you're saved, if you've been baptized, then the Holy Spirit's talking to you, and there's somebody you need to talk to. Let me just say that. Uh, we're not called uh, just to sit and listen, although we need to do that, but also to speak into other people's lives. So if you're filled, you need to speak. And there's somebody that I believe the Lord is calling you to speak to. And they begin to do this. It says, verse 5, there were devout people. For us today, there are devout people everywhere. And I'm not just talking about people that fill churches. I'm talking about all of us worship. What do you worship? You worship your status, your, your circle of friends, um, I don't know, money or trips. Um, what's your idol? We're made to worship something. Um, what is it for you? And so we're called to speak in other people's lives who worship other things and to say, this is never going to really do it for you. Whatever that is, you worship. They came together and they were hearing, verse 6 say, them speak in his own language. This is something else individually for you. You see, like when you're filled and you're gifted and then you speak, there are going to be some people that you can talk to that I can't. Uh, that another preacher, pastor can't, that a missionary can't. God has made you specifically to speak in other people's lives that other folks couldn't do. I mean, for example, I mean, being a pastor is a blessing. It's also a burden. Just go with me to any party. And I like to go to parties, okay? Love it, okay? Yes, stay at a party. Drinking is there, okay? I like going to parties where that's there, okay? And, you know, when I'm introduced and then the pastor, and it's all same thing. It's like, you know, kind of need another drink. And they, you know, skirt off <laughs> over and over. I mean, so, you know, obviously there, there's like a, there's a package that comes with the deal of being a pastor. And you kind of got to get to know me and hang with me. And then I can speak more into somebody's life, especially those that I love to hang out with, who drink, which I love to hang out with them, and, and go to these types of places, okay, to get real. But it, there's a wall there. A lot of you don't have that wall. You, there's no wall. And so people will say, man, you're speaking my language when you talk to them about your life in Christ. And I'm not talking about just throwing out Sunday school lexicon or, you know, Sunday school answers. Just like, you know, just share your life. They go on and they say, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? You're like, how would, you, how would that apply to hey, We're not Galileans. What somebody will say when you share, when you share from your heart, like, man, that's the real deal. It's not just like Christianese. They're not just jumping down my throat because I have a drink or because I had an affair. Or they're, they're like real. They're real. So for us, that pastor would be like, you know, aren't, aren't those just the church folks? But then they say, well, he's real. He's real. And then the Lord provides the gift to speak in their own languages. Just like he will give this gift to you to speak other people's languages. 
And it said they were telling the mighty works of God. What is the mighty work of God? It's very simple. Uh, we've said this, said this over and over again. When God changes your life, all you have to say is, this is how I was, and this is who I am now. And it is different. The mighty work of God in a life. So people will be amazed and perplexed, and some will mock. Some will mock, unfortunately. And you know what we're called to do to those that mock? And um, let me just, the Lord works on me. He's been working on me for seven years on this because I can't stand mockers, uh, and I have been one. He calls us to love mockers. And then God works through that. So I love this passage because I think it really shows how the family of Jesus becomes truly the family of Jesus. What does that mean for us today? We broke it down in the scripture. First, family here. Family here. I want you to listen to me on this. Uh, we talk about family. We talk about church family. Who is your family here? Um, I want us to grow our family ministry that uh, adults and not necessarily parents are raising our kids, and adults are mentoring our youth. I feel very called to that. I want to grow other people that are called to that. But past, like, who's the family here? Like, when I say, who is your church family, you know, what comes to mind? Is it a friend? Or is it a member? Uh, what it should be is a Christian. So, so if you know that Christ, then we are the family of Christ. And I do want to confess a little bit here. I mean, God's done a work on me the last maybe year or longer. And when I started, or when we started, or God started Bellwether, I mean, we emphasize a lot, you know, our Bellwether family, our Bellwether family. And that sounds good. It's great. But like, like I confess, I mean, I, I confess, I, I talked about that too much. There's one family. There's the family of Jesus. And, and what I did unintentionally, honestly, you start cultivating, and it's unintentional, but like, you know, our family and God's work here. Man, God's doing work everywhere. And I want God's work to be done in all churches. And, and yes, here, but it, it's Jesus' family, and it's a bigger family than, than I can even imagine, than we can imagine. And when we start thinking, and look, look, God's convicted me on this. We start thinking about just like our blankety-blank church family, we automatically start pe putting people in and out. You'd be like, I don't do that. We do. You do. In and out. Are you in the Bellwood family or are you out the Bellwood family? And when we go outside these walls and we think of blankety-blank church family, what happens is we're thinking about our church family like, oh, they're in and out, and so get them in to grow our church. And the Lord calls it to grow the church, capital C church, every church. And so I want us to kind of redefine church family. It is a family, but it's like so above and beyond bellwether. I mean, this church would be gone one day. You ever notice there are no biographies written about churches? There were four biographies written about Jesus. And you're like, what? Corinthians, those were letters written to churches about the man Jesus. It's Jesus' family. So we do have family here as Christians. There are also others here. There's family here, there's others here. John 10, 16, talks about that. Who are the who are the others here? You know, everybody, my wife can tell you this because we ask folks all the time, you know, what, do you, what drew you to Bellwether? You know, why you feel connected here? Over and over again, so welcoming. 
That's what people say. So welcoming. Right, baby? Excuse me. Amen? Right? Right there. Just back up. Hey, you know, it's so welcoming. Everybody's so welcoming. And I love that. We want to grow that. Okay? And, but, but let me say this. I want to grow deeper in being welcoming. Here's, here's what I'm talking about. I mean, look, we live in the South. Everybody's welcoming. We live in Mississippi, hospitality state. I mean, whether it's real or fake, we're welcoming, right? I mean, all right, come on, amen. I mean, everybody's, they're all welcoming. But do we, do we inhabit other people's lives? Here's what I'm saying. Here's a great test to see how, like, Christian welcoming we are. Who do you go to lunch with? Who do you go to dinner with? Who do you carve out that quality social time? Who are those folks? That convicts me. Who do you have coffee with? You can be welcoming all day long, Sunday morning, but who, do you, who are you getting to know? Just saying. Let me throw a verse up here real quick. James 1, uh, verse 2 and verse 8 through 9. Really, you read all of James 2. We don't have time for that, but... James 2, verse 1, and then 8 and 9. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Skip down, verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. If you show partiality, you are committing sin or convicted by the law as transgressors. Uh, Now, let me say this. You'd say, well... They're talking about, you know, people coming into our church home. No, actually, that word assembly there in James is into the larger community within the city. And he's saying, like, who are you hanging with? And so if you come in in your community and just hang with certain folks and don't others, you know. And, and look, let me, just be, let me just not be a Sunday of repentance, but I do this because we're all inclined for our own self-interest. You know, what can this do to this cat or this... You know, get for me. How can I get advantage out of this? And Jesus pushes us out more and more. So for here and in our lives, who are the others? Who are the others here? A great example happened, though, last Sunday. And a guy came off the street, off the street, okay, in here, in the middle of service, took communion, uh, some leaders in the church, recognized him, and shared a meal with him. So it wasn't just like, welcome, take communion, shared a meal with the brother, okay? There are others here. The welcoming means inhabiting, living together. Now, are there others out there? I'm going to share a brief word about this. There, there are others in our community, but there are also others in the world. You know, the numbers, and, and you could call bull on this, but the numbers say still 60% Metro Jackson does not have a connection to a church home or to Jesus Christ. 60%. And if you're thinking, as I think sometimes, that, man, that can't be right because all the people I know go to church. There might be a problem with that. I mean, for me too. You see what I'm saying? Like maybe I'm not connecting with others enough as I should because if everybody knows, goes to church. There are others out there who need to hear, who need to be amazed and perplexed, as Acts says. So, so what, are we, what, what are we doing? I'll give you two quick stories. Uh, one is there's a guy, he would be a millennial, millennial, 
So we have millennials here, you know, I guess I'm not in that camp, unfortunately, too old, but, you know, 80 to 2000, I guess, born in. And uh, he's in med school. Um, hope he's not here today because I'm talking about him. He'll know. But uh, he might be. I, I think he doesn't go to church. But he, he reached out and said, you know, man, I was raised as a Christian, and I just got these big, big questions. I don't even know if I'm Christian anymore. So we started meeting regularly. And he said, like, my generation just does not trust the church. Like, this organized stuff, this assembly, these gatherings. Like, no. So we're meeting, and it's a huge blessing to me just to, to talk through these things. So, so there are people like that that are open. And then there are people, and this was a big challenge for me, there are people that we're just like, you know, I just wouldn't like that person. Like, I just not, don't have an affinity for them. We're just not going to hang. So the Lord worked on, on me because I'm just going to, there was a, a person, a guy, a while back, and I told my wife, like, I'm just not going to hang with, they don't go to church here, okay? So, but they might be visiting too, but this was a while back, so, but I'm not going to give you any more details, and I just, I told my, my wife, like, man, I'm just, I just cannot see myself hanging with him, like, just, it's just, it's just not there, you know, just don't think I'll like that guy, okay? I know, shocker, pastor, but, you know, affinity-wise, you know, and, and they're just people you see, you're like, man, I just, you know, it's tough, but a while back, we'd be at social gatherings, and I forced myself to engage this. I was like, man, I'd, I'd like go, and I'd see the wives, like, dang, he's here. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's like a small guy. I was like, what is, you know, so forced myself to engage. And, man, come to find out, like, we've got all these interests and, you know, just open book, and, and I'm praying for this family right now. And, you know, the Lord really did a work on me there. I mean, he really did. Just give me a little part. Like, you know, I wasn't, I'm going to do that. And then he's like, you got to go, man. You got that's your other. And I did. And it just warms my heart thinking about it. So there are others out there, and the Lord pushes us to go to them. And then last, and I want you to see this, there, there's family out there. Family's not just here. Family is out there. Man, I love being a pastor. I love it so much. I love other pastors. I love other churches. And so I want us to like love other churches here. And maybe even send other people to other churches here. Shocker, you know. I mean, the only territory needs to be the territory of the kingdom of Christ. And we push forward for his family. And that's it. That's the bottom line. But I also want us to see that, like, you can, you can go across, you know, cultures and nations and find family, too. Saw this in Honduras. Yesterday, I was on the phone with a dude planting a church in Dubai or outside Dubai. And I know some of y'all may be like, hey, can I do that plant? Can I go there? You know? no, anyway, you might get a chance. Uh, they wanted to come here and do some South Haven girls from Oxford, plant a church in the desert, prayed with them over the phone. Uh, they were up in North Mississippi, couldn't make it down here. We're going to show you a video. Um, they're family. Um, people in India that we went to see, family there. I mean, the family of Jesus. I tell my kids this, tell all our kids. I mean, it's just so above and beyond what we can imagine. It's the real family. It's the eternal family. And 
That's our deal. That's our family, and it's good. So what I want you to know today is you think about family. I mean, life in Christ, I mean, I love, like, adventure. I love, like, you know, like a mission, man. You know, and life's an adventure. And that, that's what Jesus is. So especially for, for those of you who, like, I don't know how you knew Jesus or how you were taught him in Sunday school or what you think of him now, but, man, it's an adventure. And it's not just, like, even the life-changing moment of baptism. I mean, it continues over over, over. And even in like the hardships, cancer, divorce, broken relationships, changed relationships, it's still this adventure. And it's still Romans 8, 28. There are no accents in Christianity. And it goes on and on to heaven and beyond and what we can, it's, it is life. It is life. Now, how do we do this? The bad news is we can't. The good news is, the even better news than that, is that there was a person, a man, someone did for us. Jesus. Like, we can't say, hey, I'm going to go out to others. Or we can't look at other people as our family. Or we, we can't, everything I just told you about is like good, and you can say, man, great self-help stuff. Uh, we can't do that if we just try. So what we have to do is look to the one who did. Jesus. The author and salvation of our lives. And then we say, Lord, I will repent of trying to do it on my own and live on my own and do good stuff on my own, and I will turn to you. And then something supernatural does happen. He comes into your life, and the adventure begins. So look to him, turn to him today, right now, and find, find your real family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for life, life in the fullest, and that you give it. And dear Lord, I just pray for really our culture, like our church culture, our youth culture, um, you know, people who are raised just thinking, man, church is a bore, or, you know, Jesus is for geeks, or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you're fed, or, or the devil is fed, um, I pray that we see the truth that you are not only life in the fullest for today, but forever. And it is this great call and adventure, and it's all because of you, Jesus. We love you. I pray for these folks here that are, that are battling earthly deals because they're, they're, they're very, very real from brokenness in relationships and marriages and physical, physical breakdowns. We know something supernatural can always happen, be it your will. So, so we ask for healing across the board, and yet we give our lives for whatever you have, for our time here, for your world. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.